I, I want to just share a few words with you, and, and we, we um, just want to share some thoughts with you, as I've said, and it has been said, that this is a special day for me, and we always just kind of stop things to give honor to whom honor is due. And we want you to see yourselves as people whom God honors. Uh, that's important to me. This, the, the message I wanted to share today has to, to do with uh, two women. Actually, there are a couple of men, uh, maybe a four or five men mentioned, but they're sort of minor characters here. <laughs> so, so we're going to talk about these, uh, these uh, women. And my title of my message is uh, Women Who Build. Women Who Build. And this story is, is in the book of Ruth. It's recorded there where there was a, a, a man named Elimelech. Elimelech uh, was uh, a man who had a wife, Naomi, and two children. And uh, they left Judah. They, uh, that is a place in Israel. They left Israel because there were hard times. And they went to Moab, a neighboring country, to make things better. <clears throat> and this is a man doing what he thought was right. Uh, making things better for his family. And uh, so I, I, that's probably as much about the men we're going to say this positive. <clears throat> so so uh, they, were, they were there uh, in Moab, and the Scripture says uh, that in Ruth, the first chapter, verse 3, says, Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. So now you have to understand that, um, that uh, these men were the providers. And uh, Elimelech was there providing for Naomi. He died. So uh, a third of his provision was gone. Her provision was gone. And then she was left with her two sons. And uh, it says, now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon or Malon and Chilion also died. So all of her provision, all of her support was wiped out when they died. So the, the woman survived her two sons and her husband. And then she had to she decides she's gonna go back to uh to uh, Judah because she's gotten word that things are better there, and they're better now. So and let's go to verse 6, uh, first chapter, verse 6. I'm going to read this because of the sake of time. And what, what we're going to find in here is there's a woman, Naomi, uh, who uh, was past her fruitful years and a, a, a daughter-in-law who's a foreigner going back to Israel. Now, she's past her fruitful years, and so we find that God gives hope past what we think are fruitful years. And somebody needs to hear it today. Amen. The Bible says, Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. So hard times were over uh, in Israel or in Judah. So she decided, I better go back home. It's better to be at home when you have a little than away from home. And so she's going home. Verse 7, therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her. And they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. 
And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go, return each to her mother's house. Like, go back to your mom. She said, the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So she is saying they were good daughters-in-law. And, and you have been good to my, uh, my sons and you have been good to me. She said, now the, may the Lord deal kindly with you as he had dealt uh, with the dead and, and with me, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Verse 9, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in his house of her husband. So she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So Naomi is, is not trying to get rid of them. She's trying to do what is in a human sense, but it's best for them. And so often we do that. We try to do what's best for people in a human sense without having consulted God. And, and this is what's going on. And uh, so they, she kissed them, showing that she loved them. They lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. They wanted to follow her. We, you know, we're family. We want to go with you. And they, but Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. I won't do that. If I should say, if I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? No, my daughter, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now, she presumed that the hand of God was against her because she was having a hard time. Oftentimes, we presume that God is not with us because we have to go through something difficult. That's erroneous. That's wrong. That is not true. You know, we all have to go through something. And I find a lot of believers who are always talking about, you know, I, God doesn't want his people going through stuff. I said, who told you that? You sure didn't read it in the Bible. God is making us better by things we go through. Making us stronger. Yeah. And so, notice what happened. Now, Naomi's doing the best she can. We're not, we're not condemning her, but we're showing you how she's, she's missed the point a bit. And ver verse 14 says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again. I mean, she's making them cry, right? And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Now, Orpah really wanted to go with her. But she listened to the words of Naomi, and she was convinced, okay, it's going to be better for me to go back to my mom's house, and maybe somebody will marry me, and life won't be so hard. It will be better. But now Ruth didn't, didn't, didn't buy it. Ruth, Ruth uh, said, and she said, and then Naomi sees that Orpah is gone, and, and Ruth is still there. She said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people, now listen, and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Now, now, Naomi it was, was down. She was obviously a bit depressed because no good believer would say what she said. She said, now, your sister's going back. She's, gonna, she's going back to, to um, her people. They were, they were idol worshippers and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Come on, Naomi. Naomi seems to be saying that it would be better for you to be alive in that condition than to go with me because I can't help you. And we should make sure that we're not speaking like secular people speak and preach. 
we need to do what, say what God is saying and do what God tells us to do. Naomi thought because her provision was gone that all hope was gone, all natural provision. But that's, that was not the case. So she's going back to Judah, back to Israel for, for a provision that's natural. When she, and she's not thinking about other things or what God would do. So then Ruth, uh, we love this story because Ruth then, this wonderful mother-in-law, looks to uh, Naomi and says, like, entreat me not to leave you. Like, don't force me to leave you. Why are you pushing me away? Entreat me not to, don't do that. Don't be harsh with me and push me out. Don't entreat me uh, to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. <clears throat> your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. I don't want to go back to my false God. I want to keep following Yahweh. I want to keep following Jehovah. Don't force me. Your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. What a beautiful story. Amen. What a beautiful story. Amen. And when she saw, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. So, so Ruth had to convince Naomi, and I, I think this is a good story, because it says women who build. So the kind of women who build, well, Ruth is one of those women who build, who says, you cannot convince me to do wrong. I'm going to do right by you, whether you are saying nice things or not. I want to stay with you. Please stop forcing me to go in another direction. Stop speaking secularly or worldly to me. But this is what she's saying. And then says, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. Oh, wonderful. They, they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? And Naomi's name was Pleasant or Pleasant One. But she said to them, now Naomi has had a hard time. And hard times have shaped her more than her faith. This is what we find. How do you deal with hard times? How do you handle hard times? You know, everybody, hard times. Uh, uh, you know, we, we say, well, we pick our leaders by them promising to give us easy times. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's right, too. So she's been shaped by that. So don't, don't be hard on Naomi you know, if you're like that. Look, and so she said, do not call me Naomi. Don't call me Pleasant. Call me Mara. Bitter, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. So she may have a little issue with, with the Lord. Now, I know we are looking at this message today, and I'm talking to women, but I'm encouraging you because this is not the end of the story. This is, I'm just telling you what's happening a, a, along the way. Because all of us have had an, a, an issue with God at one time in our lives, or we're the most unique person I've ever seen or heard of. I've had a, a, a problems with the Lord before. It wasn't his he, his, he wasn't the problem. I was the problem, but I still had the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wasn't doing what I thought he should have been doing. And I remember telling him, 
I told you the story too, remember it? Yeah, I didn't want to go. I said, it was like I was saying to the Lord, you know, Lord, you, you didn't do this, you didn't do this, you didn't do this. Well, I'm going to leave you, and I did. And it's like saying, you, you're not doing what I want you to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to hell to punish you. You know, it's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like saying that, right? You're going to walk away from God. Yeah, you're going to be the one burning, buddy. So anyway. So Naomi, she's hurt. She's hurt. She, she had an expectation of God, and she thought God was going to uh, operate in a particular fashion, and he did not. But he's working. He was working behind the scenes for doing something much greater, and we'll see just if I hurry up, we'll see it today. So she said, I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Now, actually, she didn't go out as full as she thought. She went out with, with a husband, yes, but they left Israel going to find better conditions in Moab. But see, sometimes we, we start thinking wrong things and we think that God caused it all. And this is what's going on in the story. She said, why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? No, it wasn't. It wasn't God doing that. But God is often blamed for things. He's even blamed for knowing everything. Because, because we want to know, well, why didn't you change it since you knew everything? We blame God for his knowledge. And, and uh, so, so here in this story, um, we find that in the story, let me just add a little bit here quickly, in that what we find is that Naomi had this relative of Elimelech, was a, a close relative, and uh, had a close relative named Boaz, and Boaz was very wealthy. So Boaz, in this story, uh, was now it was barley harvest time, so Boaz had his workers out harvesting barley. And so he told uh, Naomi, went, Naomi, Ruth went out to work in the fields, gleaning. So what that means was uh, whatever grain was left uh, after they harvest on the ground, some was always left in the field. So God had given them a rule. You're not to just take everything, just as it were, rake all the ground and take everything, leave something for the poor and the needy. And so, but when Boaz saw this Moabitess girl who he knew was with Naomi, he, he took a liking to her because she was not like the other girls. She was really chaste and nice and wasn't you know, trying to be pretty for the young boys. She carried herself well. So what he's saying is she wasn't throwing herself at, the, at these guys because God was going to use her to build something. And, and so, so, so but she, she didn't all know that at that juncture. And Naomi didn't know that at that juncture. But they were living their everyday lives, and God had his hand on them. So in this story, she was carrying herself so well that this wealthy man took note of her, Boaz. He took note of her. He said, this girl doesn't act like these fast girls. That's, I dated myself, didn't I? And, and, so, and so he, said, he says to his, his, his workers, he said, uh, uh, I want you to leave handfuls of grain on purpose for her. Or, or like, just drop it like, like as the young kids would say, drop it on accident, you know. <laughs> they don't believe in, in accidentally. But anyway, so he says, he says just drop some on, 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 uh, you know, accidentally, like you're, on, but he says on purpose. 
you know, be purposeful, just drop some wherever she's gleaning, drop some. So that she was picking up what was left over. And so uh, this girl, uh, Ruth, goes back home and says to Naomi, look what I gleaned today. And Naomi's looking at her and said, girl, nobody gleans that much. <laughs> and it's a beautiful story. And so, so but, but listen what happened. An act of God. <laughs> I better go back over here. <laughs> so... <laughs> They got it. <laughs> they really got it. <laughs> so, so, so Naomi goes, you know, l- l- let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to do. She, you, you, she says, mm-mm, mm-mm. he likes you, honey. And, uh, and he did. He liked the way she carried herself. Because she, she could have any of those young, strong, muscular, her- Herculean guys. But she's not going after him. She's not doing that. And so it's, uh, so. So anyway, long story short here, uh, Naomi says, okay, this is what you're going to do. He is a relative. He's a relative. So that means he has an obligation to uh, be a kinsman redeemer, to redeem you. He has an obligation before God. He he can marry you, that's what she was saying. So so long as the story goes and... Uh, she tells her one day, she says, okay, they're going to be working tonight uh, on the threshing floor. So you go up there and you lay, lie down at his feet. And so when, she, so when Boaz woke up, this woman was there. He said, oh, he said, we, 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 we got to do something here. And he said, he's excited because he's an older guy. And uh, this young girl, I mean, he said, he's saying, wait a minute. <laughs> True, wonderful story, right? Maybe I'm enjoying telling it too much. <laughs> so, so Naomi tells, him, tells her uh, the, the custom in Israel. So when he saw her, he said, he said basically, he, it was almost like a proposal. He said, hey, I want to, uh, there's a kinsman, somebody closer to you than me. And so what Boaz does, he goes out and, and he, he basically talks to the the, the Ken, the man who is uh, a, closer, a closer relative than he, but he actually talks to him in a way that discourages him from Ruth. He, he, do, he doesn't want to. So he's very clever. And he discourages him uh, from, he says, oh, I don't want that girl to lose my inheritance. And so he's saying, well, thank you, Jesus. And so, true story. True story. He's doing that. But, but the beautiful thing about this story, the beautiful thing about this story is none of them know, no one knows, none of them knows what God is doing. They're going about their everyday lives, but God is setting something up. You are going about your everyday life, but God is setting something up. Wow. So, so let me read that part of the story in, in, in Ruth 4, chapter 4, verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So after all that, that happened, boy, they, they got married, and she, she conceived and bore a son. Uh, then the woman, the women... Now, notice when this happened, then God's plan began to unfold. Isn't this an amazing story? So now Naomi is full because the daughter-in-law who loved her more than anybody could love her now is married to one of the richest men in Judah, if not the richest man in Judah. This is a beautiful story. God has not forgotten you. Women who build are those who are 
stay in the race. Even Naomi, though she was hurt and she was bit bugged with God, upset with God, she still stayed in the race. But Ruth stayed close in the race. And she did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. And she now is married. Now she has a baby. Now notice, we're not going to hear much from Ruth right now because it's the women said to Naomi. Because Naomi had this, this problem, like an issue. And she, they said, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative, without a redeemer. And so but that speaks of us. We were poor. We were empty. But God did not leave us without a redeemer. We needed somebody to buy us. We needed somebody to be there for us when we were not able to be there for ourselves. And Jesus is our redeemer. He became one of us that he might redeem us. And then, and then she says, and may his name be famous in Israel. I'm talking about him now, uh, thousands of years later, talking about this baby, this baby named Obed. Is this, is this amazing or is this amazing? And may, listen, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. In other words, may he be a sustainer of life for you, for your daughter-in-law who loves you who is better to you than seven sons has borne him. This girl who would not leave you, though you tried to push her away, you were shoving her away, but God had a plan that you didn't know about, Naomi. And God has a plan for us that we don't know about. I want to say to every woman who feels like you've been abused, you've been misused, you've not been appreciated, you've been underappreciated, nobody's gone all the way with you, I want you to know God has a plan for you. Your life is not over. God is going to bring Jesus forth for you. He is the true sustainer of life. This They keep on talking. So Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse. This, 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 grand, this grandma now, she, her, her son's uh, wife has now born a baby. And now she now is like the star of the show. She is now just as Moses' mom after Pharaoh's daughter adopted him, Moses' mom uh, fed him, you know, took care of him. And here we find Naomi doing the same. This scripture is so beautiful. Let me hurry. And the Bible says in verse 17, also the neighbor women came, uh, gave him a name saying, there is a son born to Naomi. Isn't that amazing? Not Naomi, she's the star now, isn't she? And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now notice, what, what, see what God's doing. Obed is the father of Jesse, the father of David. God was giving Naomi a part in the kingdom that she was not going to have before. She, she wasn't going to have this. If things had gone right with Chilion and Malon and, and Elimelech, she was not going to be a part of this Jesus reigns thing. Come on. And so now he says his name is Obed, the father of, of Jesse. And the, the, he goes on to give you now the father of David, the king. And says, now this is the genealogy of Perez, or Perez, we would like to say. Perez begot Hezron, and Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Nashon, and Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Now listen, in the tribe of Judah, Boaz begot Obed, 
Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. And they named him Obed because he was going to serve. He was going to bring to pass. Obed means serve or bring to pass. But that's not all. It, it, what is God bringing to pass in your life while you are just doing everyday, ordinary things? And he says, but also it means worshiper. It means worshiper. He is a worshiper. Became the grandfather of King David. That's huge, isn't it? You know, who, who are you the grandfather of? Who are you the grandmother of? God is not finished. We sing that song, he's up to something. Remember that one? God is doing something right now. God is doing something right now. Now, let me, let me finish up. He says here, Naomi, the one who was empty, was now truly full. She who was bitter was now blessed. And she had an heir. Ordinary events in Naomi's and Ruth's life, especially Naomi's life, had been misunderstood. Ordinary events. How many times have we misunderstood ordinary events? Things happening in our lives and we're angry with this one and angry with that one, disappointed and wondering how to pay that one back. Ordinary events. God takes these ordinary events and he does extraordinary things. So let's stop as people of God trying to figure out what God is doing while we are misreading ordinary events. And here in this story, in the life of life, lives of Naomi and Ruth, they were re the result, now we see the results of God's hand directing these events. God's hand directing ordinary things. Uh, uh, and he was bringing about nothing ordinary, but bringing about his eternal purposes. So God is working in your life. I, I, I could give you, if time were to allow, so many times when I was not happy with God. I know that sounds silly for a preacher to say, but God is so good. He saw how crazy I was. He, saw, he sees how crazy you are. I'm not calling you crazy individually. But humans are crazy. And if you lived any time and you haven't seen that we are just crazy, I sometimes when I'm praying say things like, God, we are crazy. And God knows that. But he loves us. And he's bringing us to sanity through Jesus. Look at these ordinary events bringing about his eternal purposes. The deaths of loved ones. You're not, I'm not happy when a loved one dies. Our, our dear, wonderful, sweet sister, Vasanti, died two days ago, 2.15 in the morning, Bangalore time. Broke my heart. I wasn't happy about it. But God is using stuff. And he used death of loved ones. He, he used moving from one place to another and back again. He used harvesting. Something as normal and ordinary as harvesting. He, looked, he used working in a job that was less than ideal. He used marrying. He used sleeping in a barn. Purchasing land. Ordinary stuff. He used it for his eternal purposes. And in this, in this story, 
as in your story. Meaningless things, ordinary things, everyday things, whatever they may be, are, sh are shaped by God to bring you into your destiny. And I want to end here today. And I want you to think about it. I'm going to come back in just a second. I'm going to come back in just a second. But I want you to think about Jesus and how he has worked in your life. And maybe you're here today. You're here because your mom's here. You're here maybe because an aunt is here or you just thought you'd come. But what has God done in your life that brought you here today? And, I, and if you don't know Jesus, I want you to make up your mind. And I'm going to come back and, and introduce you to Jesus in just a moment. Naomi, she said, he's, 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 he's uh, dealt harshly with me. He's dealt harshly with me. God hasn't dealt harshly with us. God has worked ordinary events for our purpose. In Jesus' name.